Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. There's been a few storylines uh, this week, or last week actually. Uh, one was to do with Jason Jenkins, the situation with him and his contract, and uh, there does seem to be a few murmurings from the, the Dublin media regarding a purported move to Leinster next season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, in 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 a way, I mean, he would be a perfect signing for them. They're looking for a kind of a a tight headlock, um, big, powerful figure, and that's what you'll be getting with Jason Jenkins. But um, as to what sort of state he'll he'll rock up in, that's another question. Like, we haven't basically seen him this season. We've seen him, seen him one start for us this season. So um, it, it's it. Leinster must know something that we don't because they're happy if it's alleged that they're going to be assigning him to to give him a contract um, for a player who's had an injury ravaged career in the last few seasons. Um, but like he he would do certainly a good job if he was available and if, if he was fit. I'd agree with you there, Liam. If you could get him fu- fully fit, I think he's an absolute physical specimen. Six foot seven, just built like a tank, you know. And this is a position that Leinster have craved for a guy of that physicality in the second row to really. And you can see where the signing is coming from. You know, you're seeing the likes of La Rochelle, Axis, and Saracens, the big, big units from, let's say, a second row perspective, building that front five dominance. I think feel that they need this kind of signing here to get them over the line. Think of the Brad Thorns, you know, those physicality, you know, Scott Fardy as well. That kind of mould of player. Now, in fairness to Jen- St. Jenkins, in his defence, he, he's been beset by injury after injury here in Munster. But, you know, we've only seen one body of work, and that's 10, 20 minutes against Cass. And in fairness to Cass, they were the, the pack in the ascendancy. So I don't think he can really read much into Jason Jenkins' performance or his reign here at Munster. But, yeah, as you say, I mean... Uh, Leinster must know something that we don't in terms of you know his conditioning and getting him fully fit if they can get him fully fit my god bingo they've got an absolute powerhouse of a player there but uh, yeah again until um, contracts are signed the dotted line is absolutely inked and ready to go uh, pure speculation but I thought it was a fascinating uh, transfer link given the Munster Leinster kind of transfer in that direction it doesn't happen too too frequently so i think um it'll be an interesting one to watch in the next few weeks because i would say enough and not more player announcements and departures probably will be happening in the middle of the six nations in the next week or two um so this speculation will soon die down i would say yeah but again just just going back to jason jenkins like when we signed him other people were quite excited as well um for for his potential with us and hopefully if he is in, in a few weeks time, if he is back on fit he will be a, a powerful addition to our Heineken Cup squad going going to Exeter and and hopefully beyond that. I mean, he really would be, you know, we, we, we probably think we were lacking a bit of physicality ourselves in terms of second row. So, yeah, he, he, he is a player that could make a difference for us during the rest of the season as well. Oh, completely. You know, and we're now getting to the business end of the season after Six Nations. April has been really, this is the end of the... You know, this is the business end of the season. You want your top players fully fit and firing all cylinders. And in fairness, if if we can get Jason Jenkins anyway fully fit, 
he'll be a massive addition. I'm thinking that Sandy Park game along with Julian, you know, that pack platform is going to be absolutely cute, huge. And to have him coming off a bench after 50 minutes, you know, that'll be monster. You know, uh, when you consider like so RG Schneiman's not available, to have someone of that physicality coming in really to close out a game for Munster. And that's something that we've craved as well. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened with Jenkins in terms of his injury rather season with Munster. But yeah, he still has a vital role to play uh, in that. Uh, so we'll see where that speculation uh, ends up in the next few weeks. And then the other news, uh, for me, it wasn't surprising. But then I saw a few Munster rugby social Twitter reaction that they were surprised. But JP Ferreira is moving to bat rugby along with Johan van Graan. To me, I thought that would be an expected move just given bat rugby and also the head coach looking for a few of his lieutenants to join him uh, at the recreational ground next season. Yeah, I mean, that's not really an unexpected move. You always go, you know, if you're the kind of the number two, you go with, with, along with your head coach to wherever they go, even if it's going from the frying pan into the fire <laughs> in terms of being a defence coach at bat. Um, so look, Ferreira, I have said before, like I would wish him, of all those guys, I wish him the best of luck. Unlike unlike our head coach and maybe uh, Larkham to an extent. I mean, Ferreira has come in and he's done his job and he's really worked out well for him. Indeed, you know, defensively we've been consistently very high in our performances in the five seasons that JP Ferreira has been with the camp, um, well liked well respected within the organization so he will be a lost lane um there's no doubt about it but again i think that's opportunity knocks for monster rugby again now they're dealing with a head coach they're dealing with an attacking coach and they're dealing with a defensive coach vacancy so now um of utmost importance is now the head coaching role uh to see who fills that and i think once that head coaching role is filled I think we will see the p- the pieces of the jigsaw, particularly the attacking and the defensive coach, really do line up to the ethos of the head coach. The head coach may bring in other additional guys who is tried and trusted. And it's the same for Van Grand Bath. You're not going over there just on your own here. And it's like any sporting organisation where manager comes in, he has his trusted backroom staff with him. The old management go, backroom staff, pretty much most part would go maybe from one or two. So he really does need an awful lot of loyal backroom staff members with him in the recreation grounds next season because it is a big, daunting challenge ahead of him, given that performance that they produced against Leinster uh, last weekend. So, look, we wish JP for, uh, well, five years, you know, owes nothing to the organisation, really, in terms of his commitment. Uh, but, again, I think new chapter, and I think his press release as well, you know, he did enjoy uh, being in Munster. His family were well settled in Limerick. So it's a big move for JP and his family as well to make. So, but again, uh, it's the nature of the beast when it comes to professional sports, you know, particularly if you're a backroom member to a head coach who's moving to another club, you're not going to be in a place for too long a period. So I think it's a, it's a pretty, um, it, it, it's a sad, it's a sad kind of news uh, story, but I think not expected really. To be fair, yeah, yeah, and also, uh, I've actually even seen the uh, red rumours of Demi Delende going to bat, as in his his choice would be going to Japan or going to bat, and even if he was offered like the highest wages in the world, there's absolutely no way he should go and follow follow those two guys to bat. 
I think this is just idle speculation on the media's part. It's again that it's the, the news. Well, it's been pretty deafening the silence in terms of the Delende situation, and I think. To be perfectly fair to Munster Rugby, the player, they'd have to just pick their moment now when to basically announce whether he's staying or if he's going to head. I mean, we've heard about the Japanese link, which I think seems to be the more viable link. I'm just thinking in terms of Liam, the Gallagher Premiership, the salary cap, you consider the amount of trouble the Saracens gotten themselves into, the potential trouble Leicester Tigers are getting themselves into right now. Bath would not want to be starting to flirt a little bit in terms of salary cap uh, here. And again, Delende will not come cheap. And if he does come, then you're expecting an awful lot of squad players to move on to clear salary cap there. So I think there's big decisions within Bath. Again, if all things were equal, they'd love to have a guy of Damien Delende's capability. But I just don't see that link, to be honest. And if you were Damien Delende, you're chasing silverware now. You're chasing resume, kind of World Cup winner, playing with South Africa. You're looking to now advance your club career and win major honours in club level. I don't think you're doing that with bat rugby next season, you know, and your career is precious. So I think I would be very surprised. I'd be shocked to see him at bat rugby, uh, to be perfectly fair, because I don't think the the issues really are stemming too much in terms of three quarters, as I said last week. So I think it's uh, a complete rebuild job from top to bottom. So I think the lending, hopefully there'll be an announcement made in the next week or two. Be great to see him re- stay around in Munster and in Irish rugby circles. But I think we have to be realistic and kind of say that, the likelihood of him leaving the province looks pretty high at the moment. Yeah, yeah. In terms of Mike Prendergast, have you found that interesting on on the French interview where he outright denied making a move to to Munster? Yeah, it was interesting. And um, did not <laughs> did not come from a podcast as well. They were having a podcast uh, chat and there was a bit of banter back and forth and uh yeah, he was pretty emphatic, wasn't he? So I mean you have to kind of take Mike Prendergast to his word here. I mean, maybe he's an unfinished in terms of, you know, his his role at the moment. Um it's a big move to come back to Limerick, uh back to Munster Rugby. And again, there has to be a situation here. And this is going to be the problem here for Munster Rugby and also Ian Flanagan and the board. Until they finalise a head coaching role here and who takes it on, any prospective attacking or defensive coaches are going to really sit back and just wait to see where Munster are going, where are they headed. The head coaching role will speak enormous volumes in terms of where the direction of Munster Rugby is going to go to in three, five years' time. So I think for head coaches you know, that are interviewing, it's going to be key here to start identifying a few second third round interviews to get a person in place here because those other coaching jobs are you know you can see the uncertainty you know Mike Prendergast is dissing himself here and rightly so because we don't know who's going to take over the head coaching role so why would you commit yourself if your ethos and your brand of rugby is in complete you know opposition to the head coach so I think from Prendergast I think it was the, the response he had to make in that given moment in time. So things will change and circumstances may change. But I think once the rugby and Ian Flanagan really now need to sit down, look at the candidates and pick a head coach that will fulfil potential here within the province sooner rather than later. Um, so, yeah, I think that came as no surprise to me. You know, if you say you're absolutely committed and you don't get the job, then people say, oh, well, you were beaten to it. So I think... From Mike Prendergast's perspective, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I think that was the emphatic statement that, look, 
I think he's liking where he is at the moment. And yeah, it's going to have to be a big persuasive uh, discussion or chat with them to kind of lure him back uh, to Limerick. But again, I think that could be a long-term plan more than um, next season, I think. Yeah, it could, it could very well be more more long-term plan. And, and I suppose if someone has publicly outright denied it, then it's, it's hard for him to go back on their word, isn't it, really? Exactly, you know. And I think that just breeds... It's just, I think, a little bit of instability that's there. It's emanated before the cast game in round two when the news of Van Gran departure to bat rugby was confirmed. It's that ripple effect again. It's prospective coaches being contacted. Are you available? Um, they may say, maybe. But who's your head coach? You know, and we go back to it. It's really, it's all coming down to director of rugby, head coaching level to redetermine the organisation, top-down managerial approach. What's the ethos here? So I think from Prendergast's perspective, yeah, it looks short-term-wise, I'm thinking the next two, three seasons, he may have unfinished business where he is at the moment, and best of luck to him. But I don't, I you have to consider him out of the reckoning, I would say, here. But again, it could all change, given a head coaching role, um, you know, announcement. You know, it was, you know, that's um, people can change their minds as well. But I think it, it I think it's that head coaching role. I hate to repeat myself over and over again, but it's really the head coaching role has to be finalised and then other things will fit into place. And again, you have like some Michael Bradley people, you know, coming back into, you know, he's no longer does every head coach. Again, it's a perfect guy to integrate into an organisation like Munster Rugby with his vast experience. It doesn't have to be necessarily a senior head coach, but you get him in there. I think you'd uh, be foolish not to, just given his experience and you know talent scouting around, um, scouring for talent in the province, particularly for a centre because we don't have a centre in our academy. So I think um, you know it's those sort of decisions that Ian Flanagan and the board have to really make them, and hopefully it'll be done uh, in the next few weeks. Liam, before we go here, just uh, Six Nations looming large on the horizon. Um, Want to get your thoughts on the the Ireland Six Nations uh, squad? Um, again, I don't know if we want to kind of go down them by position here, but uh, just any kind of uh, standout kind of inclusions here from your perspective. I mean, we can start with Loosehead, Andrew Porter, Keane Healy, and Dave Kilcoyne. I suppose there's no real arguments there, is there? No, 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 not at all. They're they're clearly the best in their positions, you know. I mean, the only options is you have someone like Eric O'Sullivan, you know, from Ulster, or yeah. That's 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 the only thing you can really talk about, you know, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think in fairness to O'Sullivan, I had great hopes for him there the last few years. Again, it was great to see him on for some good game minutes against Clermont Auvergne. Thought he didn't do too badly. But again, he needs consistent game time. I think he's himself in work up in Ulster. So I think uh, for the time being, I think these are you know, Porter and Healy are just driving each other on here in the loose head position. Like Porter was immense again at the weekend against Bath, and then you have likes of Keane Healy in training sessions and even a match day squads. It's huge. Um, Hooker position, Ronan Kelleher, Dan Sheehan of Leinster, and then you have Rob Herring as well from Ulster, uh, fresh out the two tries uh, for Ulster against uh, Claremont. Uh, any arguments with those uh, squad selections? Uh, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, we, we, we could, in terms of just a pure hooker, uh, what they're supposed to do, Herring actually throws the ball in, you know. He mm. gets it in accurately. Um, but yeah, they are one, two, three in that order. No, no real arguments to that either. Yeah, no, I think after the November internationals, I think particularly from 
yeah, front five wise, I think majority do actually um, pick themselves tight head, tight furlong, Finley Bealham, Tom O'Toole. Um, any other considerations here, or as as you would have expected, Liam? Well, I mean, we're we're not really contributing an awful lot, are we? If you think about it, in terms of Munster at the moment, in terms of the front row in general, we're not really contributing any. We, we we don't even know who our own real, you know, first choice at Munster tighthead really is. You know what I mean? Um, so well, I, I, I think I right go, now, uh, they might say it's Stephen Archer, isn't it? Archer is the the number. He's our tight head at the moment, and doesn't look like anyone's really deposing him for the for the time being. Really, he's been solid this season. He has, he has, but he he's certainly, I, I think it's fair to say, isn't quite at that level uh, internationally. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Tom Tool did come on against say, you know, Claremont, but has been very strong form for Ulster, particularly in European competition. So. You know, and it would be good to see, for me, O'Toole getting game time in this tournament. I'd like to run the rule over the player a little bit in terms of test match himself and Bealham as well. If they could identify maybe a game or two where they get some extended minutes, I think, you know, it'd be good to kind of see our tip chart because Furlong's outstanding. But we definitely need to find out who really is the backup to Furlong here and Bealham and O'Toole have that opportunity. Well, you know, we now have Andrew Porter on, on loose head sides. He ain't coming on for any more for... For Furlong, as, as you said, we, it is it's crucially important that both exactly. those lads, them and uh, and O'Toole, get game time. You know, so but second uh, wise, I think you know this is our first inclusion here. Kieran Treadwell, um, you know, replaces um Alton Delan. So I think Alton Delan's news that he was departing Connacht and Irish rugby, I think, was the kind of uh, the cue there for a change here. Unfortunately for Delan, um, so Treadwell comes in. Again, Tyke Burney and Henderson, James Ryan and Ryan Baird also complete the second row kind of options there. Um, any concerns here, uh, uh, here, Liam? I mean, for me, I think Ian Henderson is a welcome inclusion, but again, has had precious little rugby in the last few weeks. Yeah, he hasn't. I, I, I mean, the, the first person that you, you'd put down on the list would, would probably be Tyke Byrne. You know? um, mm. he, he'd be the first person you'd have down for the moment in terms of Second row, I mean, obviously, Burnley can play anywhere and he can play in the back row as well, but um, which is well stacked. But yeah, so it'd be, it'd be Burn and it'd be an A and other, which, um, you know, James Ryan really didn't have an awful lot of game time up to now. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, I, I probably would go with like a, something like a, a Ryan Burn um, partnership in this the second row. Just in terms of uh, Delad, obviously, when, once you, once you, Head to France, you're 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 done for. But Treadwell has been maybe one one of the form second rows in the last two weeks. I think he's just been incredible, um, incredible work rate, um, and he stood out in terms of the the Ulster pack. No, I completely agree with you. Himself and Alan O'Connor have just been absolutely a superb second row unit there for Ulster. Uh, the season European Games say he's really kind of you know, reached a new level, I thought, this season and fully deserves he called up, I think, Treadwell. I mean, as you say, great point in terms of James Ryan here. Uh, I mean, has had precious little rugby given the pandemic, uh, you know, cancellations, all that sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting. And I mean, there was interesting comments from Neil Cullen during the week here, Liam, uh, about Ross Maloney. And in fairness to Ross Maloney, has been playing well for Leinster in Europe, um, just giving him a bit of a recognition that he has been playing well. 
uh, Leinster rugby management rec- feel he's well up to be a uh, uh, an international call up here. So maybe it's a player that may come into the reckoning a little bit if we get some injuries here in the second row. And sure, you know yourself, Liam. You know the Six Nations tournament row is going to get injuries, so might be opportunity not for a Maloney uh, to stake his claim as well. The back row, uh, again, I think we talked about it early in the podcast. It's absolutely loaded with talent here. Uh, Jack Conan, Caelan Doris, Josh Van der Fleer, Peter Armani, Nick Timoney, and Gavin Coombs. So, hard to argue with any of those uh, inclusions, really, is there? No, not at all, not at all. Um, and, you know, again, you, you want to see the likes of Timoney and, and Coombs getting game time during the Six Nations as well. And again, I feel that back row could be a position where we could end up with a bit of injuries, actually. Um, during the Six Nations. Be, yeah, it's going to be pretty efficient, isn't it? It's very bruising, is the word. And, 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 and so I think, I think in, in some respects, they're, they're going to get game time anyway in terms of replacing your guys, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't think you can argue with any of those inclusions, to be honest. And I'm delighted to see Nick Timoney there because I think his form this year has been nothing short of sensational. And it's great to see Gavin Coombs coming back into form as well. Again, the other guys here, Conan, Doris, Van der Fleer, um, Pete O'Malley, just they're playing at such a high level. Um, you know, they're just, you know, superb. Um, at the moment so you know and we're stacked you know um, in terms of that then we kind of get to the halfback position scrum half J- uh, Jameson Gibson Park Connor Murray and Craig Casey uh, get the call up here yeah well you know even though we're from Munster I think I think to be fair and Casey has played has certainly played well it's a bit of an, an outlier Casey being there you know Um. When when you have say certainly obviously you you know the two guys at Connacht uh, Blade and Marmion and you have Doak at Ulster and I'm not sure if if it doesn't really matter if Cooney's injured or not to be honest about it but uh, he won't get picked anyway so yeah Casey maybe I'd be kind of go yeah maybe yeah I think it's um it's an interesting selection because you do have guys on the outside that are probably asking themselves, what else can they do to get an inclusion here? I mean, um, I, I suppose with Nathan Doak, it's kind of a case of, you know, it's a it's a long-term prospect, and he could actually feature if there is scrum half uh, issues here in terms of injuries. Um, again, Murray, for me, has progressively improved, you know, since the back end of the year. So, and his experience is vital. Gibson Park... I think we all know that Andy Farrell is a big fan of Gibson Park just in terms of how he plays the game. Very incisive in terms of his ball distribution, looking for line breaks from an attacking sense. Casey as well, you know, you know, very speed off the rooks, you know, quick distributor. I suppose Marmion probably looking in the outside as well. Definitely is in Caelan Blade, as you say. We do have options here outside, which is kind of um, good to see. I suppose you do have Luke McGrath as well. We've not even mentioned him. He's kind of starting for Leinster. <laughs> what do Leinster know that uh, Andy Farrell and the Irish national team uh, don't at the moment? Because uh, McGrath hasn't put a foot wrong either. So, and you know, you know that McGrath will be looking to kind of really kind of hammer home a few more good international or good Leinster performances for the end of the season to get onto a summer tour to New Zealand. Old halves, Sexton, as Johnny Sexton's their captain. Joey Carberry, uh, who's still sidelined uh, with injury, and good to see Jack Carty from Connacht uh, 
make the squad uh, this time around. Yeah, but again, I mean, Carberry is more a case of will he actually do anything? Like, will he, you know, if if you're injured for, for you know, three games in the Six Nations or whatever, like, you know, um, that's the only real question about that, like, been brought in. Um, and of course, Sexton, you know, um, Sexton's he he's his record for injuries at this stage is yeah, it's 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 mounting. So he won't see. The whole Six Nations true either at this stage, and of course, Carty is absolutely fully deserved. Um, as I suppose the, he's the number three uh, backup at this stage too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the big questions on Carberry and match fitness. Like it was so unfortunate, wasn't it? Like he was just getting back into a run of form, and then boom, he's out for another period of time with injury. Joey Carberry. Carty for me hasn't done a foot hasn't done much wrong in terms of Connacht rugby in terms of an attacking sense, you know Connacht you know all the best things have come through Carty uh, this season from you know game management wise, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get game time. I suppose the other kind of key guys here would be like so the Burn Burn brothers in Leinster, um they've been well talked about Ross and Harry, um particularly Harry, um so it'll be interesting to see if Harry Burn goals and plays his trade elsewhere next season. That could be an interesting angle, um, you know, uh, on that. But I think right now, Carberry has to be, you know, showing signs of, you know, with the get-togethers that he's still a, a, a good squad inclusion. So it'll be interesting, as you say, Sexton's not going to play all full minutes here. So it'll be interesting to see with Carberry, Carty, who actually really kind of takes takes the, the backup uh, 10 jersey uh, in this tournament. Then we get to the centres here, uh, Liam. Uh, Buddy Akai, uh, Robbie Henshaw, Gary Ringrose and James Hume, which I'm delighted to see. Um, anything kind of sticking out there in those selections? Well, I really do want to see uh, Henshaw-Hume, I have to say, as a partnership. Um, yeah. It could be, could be quite explosive, really. Um, Hume is, is, you could argue, he's like the, fo- the form centre for and in the last few games, he has been as strong defensively as as in attack. And that that's what that kind of has impressed for me as well. Yeah, I think Hume's form he just couldn't be left out of the squad, could he? And the the negative here would be Chris Farrell losing out because of it. I mean, Hume provides an awful lot of versatility in terms of his attacking play. Um, again, I think he's offloading this is sensational. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the combinations here because Bundy, you know, Henshaw, Ringrose, they're all quality centres here. The competition is going to be massively competitive here. So it'll be very interesting to see who lines up against Wales in the first weekend in February. That may set the tone then. Obviously, there's the Italian game where you could literally say Hume could get significant game minutes here. Again, it'd be nice to run the rule over Hume, but he certainly deserves his chance. He's literally performing outstanding week in, week out for Ulster. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's a very talented three quarters there that we have. And then finally, the back three, uh, Hugo Keenan, Andrew Conway, Keith Earls, Robert Balicon, uh Jordan Armour, Mac Hansen gets a call-up, and Mike Lowry. Mm, and Mike Lowry, yeah, absolutely. Last but not least. Um... Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Hansen is going to feature too much um in terms of all, all those choices there. Um I Keenan to me is 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 nailed on fullback. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
and then wow you've got you've got some choice in terms of the other guys i mean low is is injured um so low is, is out so you, you're probably looking at the two guys um earls in and and conway and and obviously then um kind of lowry lowry as the 23 yeah exactly and i think lowry is a fascinating pick here Hugo Keenan hasn't put a foot wrong with Ireland in fullback, and he continues to grow and emerge as a a, a real progressive attacking fullback when he's hitting the line uh, for Leinster. And I think we saw that in November as well. He's definitely a lock at fullback. So the question is, where do you put Mike Lowry? And hopefully he will be getting some good, um, decent game time uh, for Ireland, particularly in fullback, because the form, the speed, the movement is just it's sensational. I mean, he'll provide a new dynamic to that Ireland back line. Now, he's very versatile, as we've said. Uh, he can play 10 as well. So if Carberry's not fully right, does Farrell kind of put him into the 10, you know, squad depth chart as well? I think he yeah, might have to, really, in fairness. He's such a good footballer. Again, you know, it's an awful lot of tried and trusted here with Conway, Earls, Larmer, Hansen, fascinating pick as well. And I agree with you here, Liam. I'm just wondering where he actually comes into... Is it just a case of running the rule over him, evaluating him in Carton House for an extended period? I think defensively he's improved as the season's gone on. And we know his attacking exploits were superb as well. Um, so that'll be interesting. You know, about Robert Balicone as well, along with James Hume's outstanding form, uh, along with Lowry at Ulster. So hopefully we might see him get some game time as well. Again, the key is these guys are in form. You might as well kind of test them out, particularly... Uh, you know, the home fixtures, again, I wouldn't be putting Robert Balacone into France in the Cauldron of Paris in round two. But you have to kind of assess the squad, you know, we're getting into the whole uh, World Cup cycle now. We're having to kind of finalise squads for that World Cup uh, next year. And I think this is the major, a major, major tournament, along with the summer term, summer series down in New Zealand, where your World Cup squad, majority of it does have to get formed at that stage. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean, like, I, I don't know how old Earls he's going to be. Is he going to be like thirty-six or something at the World Cup? Um, so, and and you know, Balakum is is an obvious guy that can come in uh, and um, kind of rotate with him. Um, in terms of Lowry, yeah, it's very funny. I, I was I was just thinking there at, on Saturday, he's a kind of guy that you you would bring on and you actually could put him in at out half for some attacking plays. Um, you know, in in this in the second half of the game. Oh, completely. You know, minute fifty, fifty-five when defenses have you know both sides of physical physicality massively on each side. Um, there will be gaps. There will be line breaks on the outside. Yeah, he's no better guy. You know, you seen it with Wales there last year as well with the with their wing play as well. You know, particularly in that last quarter, they absolutely made hay. Um, particularly when defence is tired, it it would be a shrewd substitution substitute to have on a twenty-three man squad to have Lowry there because he could cover fifteen and ten for you as well. Um, yeah, I, I would be look <laughs> if you're not already aware, we're big Mike Lowry Lowry fans here, so um, you know he does bring something special uh, from an attacking sense, so um, which is great. And then I'm delighted to see this announcement: Keen Prendergast with Connacht Rugby uh, development player. Um, I think it's fully deserved given Keane's, you know, 
superb performances in Europe and also in URC as well, particularly that performance against Munster really did set the platform for him as well for this inclusion. Yeah, oh yeah, that, that absolutely was was probably you could argue one of the standout performances by any uh, player in the URC this season. That that's how how good he was there. And he he he, he kind of reminds me of a, a Mike Michael Hooper, you know, in terms of the way he plays as well. Um, and what what you know, it come into a, a, a yeah a stacked uh, stacked back row as well there. Fact, no, I think uh, you could put the nail on the head there with Keane. I mean, he's he's kind of uh, literally keeping the jersey away from the likes of Paul Boyle at the moment, who was absolutely outstanding for kind of last season. So, you know, that's the caliber of player that Keane Prendergast is kind of um, keeping at bay here at Connacht Rugby. So, I mean, an awful lot of big things are expected of Prendergast, particularly Connacht Rugby. And you can see a guy like Prendergast really being a fulcrum of this province for years to come, hopefully. You know, he does have that, you know, physicality, powerful defensively and with ball in hand. But also, you know, I think his leadership, you can see it there, particularly against Munster Rugby. You know, he was one of the real prominent guys, you know, really taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And it really does bode well for the player. And you can imagine him being in that squad, that environment, particularly if um, games go in the right direction here for Ireland, getting into kind of a triple crown, you know, grand slam kind of hopes that environment and kind of, you know, really taking in an awful lot of the best training techniques, particularly on the back row coverage that we have in the squad can only be good for Keane Brendergast and can only be good for Connick Ruby and Andy Friend. Well, it can, it can certainly, it can take him to the next level. But uh, in terms of, yeah, uh, Prendergast, he's the Connacht captain in waiting, even at such tender years, I think. Oh, fact, you know, so... Uh, and to be fair, you know, it's a consistent selection, I would say, from Andy Farrell, based off the November International Series, where we had outstanding performance against Japan, New Zealand, Argentina. So he's kept faith with the majority here. And he's also rewarded people within the provinces, players within the provinces that have delivered, particularly in European and URC local derby games over the festive period. So I don't have any grievances here. Now, if you went on my blog, Hawkeye Sidekick, You'd always have seen a critique with me in terms of giving young blood a chance, but I think these are the form players right now um, that are in the squad. So I think Farrell and the management staff are really kind of building a nucleus of a squad here that's going to get to 2023. Now we do probably have question marks in terms of like the Sexton or Earls in terms of age profile, but I can't see why not. They're not going to be featuring in uh, France for one last hurrah. So. I think it's going to be exciting, and I think Liam will get on the Six Nations train uh, with a preview uh, in the next week or so, and have a few more guests, maybe a few kind of uh, maybe English and French uh, supporters along to maybe spice things up a little bit. So more to follow there. Liam, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks again so much for your insight and contributions here, um, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk next week. thank you for listening to this podcast episode if you liked what you heard in this podcast why not subscribe to the hawkeye psychic podcast on either amazon spotify youtube or twitter platforms you can also follow me at hawkeye psychic on facebook and twitter for the latest sporting opinions articles and reports